So this morning we're going to continue in our um, series, Encountering Jesus. Uh, I'm going to invite you to turn to Mark 5, uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 25. And um, as you do that, um, I want to—I uh, want you to imagine me with me for a moment, because I know most everybody in this room have has experienced what I'm about to describe. Is it's that that morning where uh, before the alarm clock goes up, you likely wake up because there's a lot on your mind. And then when the alarm clock goes off, it, it, it's thrown in your face of how much you have to do. There is so much going on in the day ahead. And so uh, it's, it, it's, it's so pressure-packed that you actually would prefer not just to hit the alarm, but throw the alarm out the door or the window or against the wall. Of course, unless you have one of those that, that you know, causes it to ring again in another part of the room. But the point is, is that um, it, it's a day where there's so much going on. And so you, you drag yourself out of bed, and you get moving, you're getting yourself ready, you're taking care of responsibilities right at hand in, in, in your home, and your mind has not even begun to think about your work. Now, for you stay-at-home moms, it's already there. For those of us who leave the home, it is, uh, it, it's just overwhelming. And so you think, as you drive to work or get your kids off to school, you think, okay... This is going to be an okay day if, if everything goes as planned. Yeah. Everything goes as planned. And maybe, maybe, if and only if, if all happens that I have planned, you have planned, carries itself out, we can go to the end of the day and say, okay, we made some headway. You've been there, haven't you? And you know what happens. It usually doesn't take halfway through the day to get an interruption. It usually is within the first 10 or 15 minutes after you resolve that, hey, I'm going to keep moving forward. Boom, there it is. There it is. Something happened in this encounter with Jesus where she interrupted. If you know the story here, and let me give you a little bit of background before we start reading this story in particular, but Mark weaves together two stories here that uh, we know for sure. And it's the story of this man named Jairus. He was a synagogue ruler. And a synagogue ruler in that time, culturally, was uh, someone of a class socially that he was well thought of, he was well respected, he had a lot of responsibility, and he was one who had a lot of authority. So when a synagogue ruler came to you in that culture, you paid attention. Well, that's exactly what happened here. The crowd was coming around, pressing in, swarming against Jesus because his popularity continued to raise. He continued to do work, uh, miracle work, to do teachings, and in all of that, more and more came. Well, Jairus stepped in. I imagine likely some of the crowd backed up because Jairus was well-respected and thought of. And he shared with Jesus, Jesus, my daughter is ill. In fact, she's so ill, she is about to die. And if you do not come, she will die. So you can imagine if you're a part of the crowd that day, you're already thinking, oh man, one of these, these, these guys came in and I was trying to get to Jesus and, and now he got to Jesus and of course he's going to take care of him and, and here I am. And unbeknownst to a lot of people, 
there is this woman. This woman who rather quietly approaches Jesus. And she's an interruption. She's not only interrupted Jairus in his interactions with Jesus, but she's interrupted everybody else in the crowd, although most of them don't know it yet at this point. But they're about to find out. Now, I want us to think about inter- interruptions for a minute. This one was so significant that it stopped Jesus in his tracks. Jesus stopped everything he was doing. He had actually already committed to go and heal Jairus' daughter. At the very least, go see what's going on. And in that, he stopped. Why? Let's take a look. Chapter 5 of Mark, verse 25. We're going to read this couple verses at a time as we work through it this morning. This isn't on your screen, but the end of verse 24 says, A large crowd followed and pressed around him, that is Jesus. Verse 25, And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Now, already, because of the recordings in the, in the letter of Mark, uh, the Gospel of Mark, is what we are introduced to is a backstory that most people, if not all of them, do not know. This woman was in this crowd, and a lot of them didn't know she was in, in this crowd. In fact, most of them did. But she was here, and we know why. She was here because she was desperate. We don't know exactly what disease she was dealing with, but she had a chronic uh, uh, bleeding going on. Maybe a disease, maybe an illness, may have to do with female issues. We don't know exactly, but the bottom line is, for 12 years, this woman has suffered. And you add on to top of that, as the Scripture tells us, is this woman has not only suffered physically, she has exhausted every amount of money she's had. She's visited multiple physicians. She has sought every kind of cure. And there's a suggestion here that even that cure, one of her cures that she attempted was to be cured through superstition and magic. There's a phrase that Christians often use, And others do when they're there, talking about being at the bottom of the barrel. In the depths of the pit, where it cannot get any worse. It cannot get any darker. It cannot get any gloomier. It cannot get any worse. That's where this sick woman was at. That's why she was there. The term here for suffering in the Greek actually has the sense of not only physical suffering, but emotional suffering, and even shame. You have to remember, if a a, a woman was experiencing her period female issues, she was considered unclean. This is a woman who had dealt with whatever issue this was for 12 years, so that immediately, like the leper we talked about last year, pulled her out of social places, community. She was suffering. Here's a reminder for us. Whenever there is suffering going on, it's a reminder of how sick we all are. I know that may ring a little harsh, but sometimes suffering, we don't know it's the case with the woman here, but sometimes suffering is because of our own sin. Now, we can't make any conclusions just because somebody's sick, it's a result of sin. 
We don't know that in some cases. Some cases we do. But at the very least, what this should remind us, every one of us, when someone is in the midst of suffering, when we are in the midst of suffering, it is a reminder of not necessarily our own sin, but the sin of humanity. The sin that we've inherited from, G- from, um, from Adam in, in the garden. And that's, that suffering means that sometimes as painful it is, as hard it is to watch people we love suffer, sometimes, just sometimes, what God may be doing is reminding them and getting their attention at the bottom of the barrel to say, I've got an answer. I've got an answer. And I'm the answer, Jesus says. Because what we know from Jesus, what we know in Scripture, what we know even from our human experience as Christ followers, is that Jesus knows sin. Not because He's a sinner, but because the reason He was driven to the cross was because of our sin. He knows it. He knows the price that's need to pay for it, be paid for it. And it's that knowledge of sin that should remind us when we look at this woman to say, you know what, Jesus understands suffering because Jesus understands sin. No matter how lonely you are, no matter how desperate you are, like the woman here who is sick, Jesus knows. If that wasn't bad enough, we also hear that after all of those cures, after all those attempts, after all the money spent, she's worse than she was when she started. How's that? Nothing like rubbing salt in the wound, right? And we, we've all been there perhaps in different, um, different levels where we, f- we feel like we're t- deteriorating. We feel like that whether it's physically, emotionally, or spiritually is that it can't get any worse. But here's something to notice. She had sought every human philosophy and practice. What she was about to do was divine. She was about to meet the divine, I should say. I wonder how many of us, I'm guilty, I can't tell you how often I'm guilty, is that when, especially with things that I think I can take care of, is that I try every human effort. Well, I'll just talk to a few people, they'll help me walk through this, or I'll do this, I'll do that. And I'm not just talking about physical healing, I'm talking about sickness of our soul, which we all deal with. Every person who's ever been created deals with. We can be guilty of trying everything, going every place, exhausting every resource, and all the while missing Jesus Christ, who stands right before us and says, I'm ready. I'm ready. So sometimes, let me just caution you, sometimes in our efforts to help people, sometimes we don't need to stop loving them ever. But sometimes what needs to happen is we need to point them to Jesus. Because here's what's really fascinating about this story to me. Is that as we look at this, what we know is that at some point she heard about this man named Jesus. Now, I would imagine she came to him. She didn't have a full understanding. She didn't have a complete a reference set of, a set of the, theological doctrines or biblical truths. No. But she heard something. Something she heard. And it had to be more than just, hey, this guy heals. 
And that's what's so beautiful about this story, because somebody had to be talking about Jesus if she was going to hear about him. She didn't read it in the newspaper. Somebody was talking. Now, what we know is multiple people were talking. Jesus had created a bit of an uproar. I titled him last week a rock star. But at this point, he, he's known by some. I can imagine with all the cures and all the places, the physicians she went to, just hearing another name of a guy who claims to have a healing power probably did not do much for her at all. Now, I'm deducing some things here, but what we do know is she heard about Jesus and something changed. But she heard. There's something about suffering and desperation that opens our ears to something new. When we are desperate and we have sought to try every human effort, our ears sometimes are more open than ever. While it's not a comfortable place to be, it's a place we need to be. Paul says in Romans eight seventeen, faith comes from hearing the word. I believe what happened before this encounter is that someone spoke of Jesus and a seed of faith was planted. Why else would she come? She's tried everything. One more human effort. But something planted a seed of faith in this woman. Something because someone was talking about Jesus. I want to I I push this here a little bit. Those of you that have not made a commitment to Jesus Christ, God right now perhaps is giving you the opportunity, not just today, but you're here, but in other settings to hear people speak about Jesus. Act upon that. For those who have made that commitment to Jesus Christ... Let me tell you, don't assume people have heard, especially in our culture today. And we have to be so careful not to tout around just our title as Christians. People don't care if you're a Christian. In fact, in today's world, we don't know what that means. It's been twisted, contorted. We've been called this and that and everything else. My challenge to you, to me, is let's show them who Christians are. And so sometimes when we think we're telling, all we're doing is just saying, I'm a Christian. If you want to know anything, please feel free to come talk to me. That's not what happened here. She heard, not because she, she was seeking out Christ followers, these people who followed Jesus, but they spoke of him personally. So be careful not just to tout that we go to church or tout that we're in a Bible study or tout that we are a Christian. All of those very good things, mind you, and are necessary as we act upon our faith. But don't let that speak for you. There are times when you need to speak of the truth of God in your life because that's what planted the seed of faith in this woman. That's exactly what will plant the seed of faith in other people especially in a culture of doubt, a a, a culture of cynicism, and a culture where the church less and less is viewed as a place of safety. It's viewed as a place of judgment. It's viewed as a place of all things wrong with our world. And if you don't realize that, sorry to break the news to you, but that's where we're at, which is all the more reason why we have to tell about our Savior. Let's move on, verse 27. When she heard about Jesus... 
She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Now, here's what I imagine. Again, we don't know exactly, but we know secretively she's approaching. This wasn't the leper where they could look at her and see, like the leper, her defilement and yell unclean and everybody jump back. Looking at her, unless they knew her, they wouldn't know that she was unclean. And I almost imagine that she's down on all fours and and she's just trying to, to get through just to a little bit and Just touch, barely touch. If I just, if I just can touch, I don't even need to hold on to it. I don't even need to touch his hand or his foot. But if I can just touch, some translations, the hem of his robe, that's all I need. You see, that faith, that faith no longer was a seed. It had burst through and sprouted. See the progression That's what God does in us. That's what God does in anybody who's willing to allow that faith to grow. And so she fought her way through a crowd. This wasn't just five or ten people around Jesus. This was a mass swarm of people all pressing in. And somehow this woman works her way in. What I love here is that her faith that was a seed didn't just stay there. It sprouted and it turned into action. And so here's what I wonder. I wonder if times, especially I think the longer you're a Christ follower, the more guilty we are of stretching our faith. We somehow believe that, well, my faith's been stretched enough over the years. Is it ever? Is it ever that we should be in a point where we're saying, no, we don't want to grow up anymore. We don't want to branch out. No, we do. We don't just want to sprout. We want to help God build His kingdom. And so we want our faith to grow up. We want it to branch out and spread out, eventually to bear fruit. Interestingly enough, her action was one of few recorded in all the New Testament in the way she went about it. In fact, it's the only one in Mark. And it's that she actually touched Jesus before it wasn't him initiating. Remember with the leper? Leper said, hey, if you're willing, make me clean, Jesus. Probably a little more passionate than that. But um, when he did that, then Jesus did what? Jesus reached out and touched him. What happens here is she didn't wait for that. She didn't go up and ask a question. I, I just, I just, if I just touch his garment. How often do we wait? How often do we wait and what Jesus says is, no, take your step. Take your step. I'll be here. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I can guarantee you, everybody in this room, Jesus is desiring you to take a step of faith. That's what walking with Jesus is all about. It's not get your ticket and relax. No, it is It is how do we grow, because when we grow, we become more like Jesus, which spreads the gospel more, which builds the kingdom more, and we take a lost, lonely, and hurting world of which we have been a part in our part in a different way, and it brings healing. James 2.17 says this, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, what's the word there, is dead. Yep, kind of like you said it, dead. 
I appreciate that. Dad! I know we don't do that, okay? What's the alternative? The alternative is, is life. The alternative is we are alive in our faith in Jesus Christ. Church, we have got to be alive in our faith in Jesus Christ, not only individually but collectively, so to the point that not just when people gather with us in this building, but wherever we go, there is evidence of life, of faith in us. And it doesn't mean we're out doing stupid stuff, okay? It means that our relationship with Jesus is central. It means that everything we do comes out of that, no matter how much time we spend in a building or with other Christians. Because when that begins to sprout and that begins to grow, lives change. Lives change. Those you speak to and God in you. Let's move on a little further. Verse 29. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Man, that's so cool. Boo! Yeah, thank you. for That was an amen in child form, okay? Yeah, preach it, sister. Okay. It, is, is, I love when they do that. Um, it, is, is that this is an immediate... This is not Jesus. Well, we'll kind of think about it. I'll touch you. Maybe the power of God will eventually get to you. No. Immediately upon her touching his cloak, she was healed. She was healed. And in that, she was cured. Not just physically, even though that's all she was in for. She didn't sign up for what was about to happen. But she did sign up to be healed physically. You see, anytime we demonstrate faith and action, it is a belief in who Jesus is. Everything from the fact of the incarnation, in other words, Him coming to this earth, to the fact of His trial, His death, His crucifixion, death, and then resurrection from that cross, out of the grave. It's belief in that. So our faith is not just something that we exercise and practice just because it looks good, but every time we take a step of faith, we say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Savior. And it plays out in tangible ways in our lives. And people hear. Not because we're being uh, obnoxious. We, do, we, we, we are humbly bold. But she believed in the power and so immediately right then, the power of Jesus that comes from God was poured into her. Now, catch this. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? Rather funny. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. This is comical. Okay, tons of people, dozens of people, if not hundreds, around him, pressing on him. In other words, they're, they're, they're just pushing. It's, you know, you've been a part of a, of, of a mob crowd or whatever, and you're just, you're feeling it all over the place. Jesus is trying to move. He's talking to Jairus, and he's trying to go. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, who touched me? <laughs> I mean, we all would have broke out laughing. You've got to be kidding me. One of the disciples had, had uh, enough courage to say, you, you Really? Who touched you? But he was concerned. He, it stopped him in his tracks. He noticed something. 
He noticed something in the person who touched him that was not evident in anybody else in this crowd. Anybody want to guess what it was? I've talked about it. Her faith. Jesus was not going to let this one go. Because he encountered somebody whose faith was unlike anybody else in this mass crowd. Unlike anybody. So he's, time out. Okay, what's going on? Who's here? Who is it? You imagine the woman? Terrified. Already terrified. But Jesus was not going to let her go. Verse 33. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Her faith is branching out right here. She could have left. She could have left. Because Jesus still didn't know. But she stepped back up the second time. This time, I don't know if she was on her knees, but she stepped up and said, it's me. But her faith had grown so much in this small amount of time in her encounter with Jesus is that she spilled her guts. She said everything. She told about what brought her here. She told about hearing. She told about, I just tried to get in and be secret about this, and I touched the hem of your robe, and now I am healed. That's exactly what Jesus wanted her to say. Jesus is never content just to heal us. He's never content to be something. He wants to be someone to us. He wants you to be someone. In other words, He wants that intimate, personal relationship. But this woman has turned full circle. Now she's not the one hearing. She's the one telling And so look what God did in this. Look what he did in her faith. And she allowed, she acted upon her faith. And then comes this confession. And I guarantee you there were people in that crowd who heard. Psalm 107 verse 2 says this. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. You have to ask, why didn't he just let her go? What's the big deal? Because he knew knew some significant faith in a person was present. And again, he's never content just healing and not meeting. It's a beautiful story, but it's not over. Verse 34, let's finish this up. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. She was fearful. She was trembling. She had the faith to step up and say, it's me, and here's why I'm here. And then in that, she's awaiting what Jesus is going to do. Scared to death. What's what's he going to do? Is he going to condemn me because I really was not clean and so I shouldn't be out here? Is he going to condemn me because I interrupted things with a very important guy? Jesus did the opposite. First of all, he didn't condemn her. 
He showed compassion and mercy. He used, he used a word with her that has only been recorded close to this one other time in the New Testament. He calls her daughter. That is such a, a term of endearment. He's close to it when he calls the paralytic son. My prayer for us is that everyone hear the Lord at some point in our lives refer us to us as son or daughter. That our faith doesn't just have a seed planted. Our faith is not just about sprouting up or even growing, but that it blossoms into something beautiful and has a relationship with Jesus Christ, which will change you. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, Therefore thou is, there, there is no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you, what's the word? Free. Oh, that's so much better. You didn't say it like you did dead. That's good. From the law of sin and death. We're free. Our faith should demonstrate our freedom. Jesus isn't annoyed by her. What a reminder to us about interruptions, right? What a reminder. Sometimes the interruption comes into your life, into my life, because it is an opportunity for you to represent Christ in a way like never before. We're all busy. We all have very little space in our lives. Guess who's responsible for that? Us. I don't know what that means for you. And maybe you pack your lives the way you pack your lives. But don't pack them so tight that there's no room for faith. Don't pack them so tight that there's no room for interruptions. You will miss God. I don't want that for you. I don't want it for me. I don't want it for us. And so Jesus finishes up by affirming her faith. Just go in peace. By the way, your little interruption wasn't an interruption. You know, she didn't come with a perfect faith, but it was a sincere faith. Let that be said of us. The woman was forever changed. Forever changed. Our theme verse that I introduced last week was this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Read this with me as we consider encountering Jesus. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. You see, her desperation led to her hearing. Her determination led to an act of faith where she came. And then she was delivered and she testified. I believe Deb read it earlier. Faith, described in Hebrews 11.1, 1, says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. A life of faith is not an easy life. Most of you know that. It's not a life of guarantees. It's not a life of earthly guarantees. It's not a life where things go as planned. It's a life full of interruptions. But praise God for interruptions. Praise God that we have a faith in one that is able to supernaturally pour power into our lives. That's faith. That's the kind of church we need to continue to be. And it starts with every single one of us. Let's pray. Father, may we not just be a part of the swarm, the crowd of people claiming to know you, but may we be a people like this woman, 
who know our desperation and know the one who brings healing. May we be a people whose faith has sprouted, is growing, branching out in new seasons of life, and most of all, bearing fruit, blossoming for your kingdom. May we never underestimate that our telling of you, our demonstration of our faith, has has eternal consequences in those who hear. Maybe we be instruments of that, Lord. Stretch our faith. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.